You are listening to Before Anyone Else, Married and Living with Parents, featuring Rebecca and David Depa. Welcome back to another episode of Before Anyone Else. I'm Keith. I'm Joyce. And I'm Amanda. Follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at Bay Podcast, where you'll find new episode alerts, memes, polls, and you can even slide into our DMs with your audience questions. We're also collecting listener feedback on our website, baypodcast.com. Today's audience question is, should you cohabitate before marriage? I recommend it. Like, um, I come from a background where you're supposed to get married and then live together and... Uh, that just didn't make sense for me and my partner. So we were living together before we got married. Well, we are living together <laughs> before we get married. And um, to be honest, like I, I got a lot of like flack from friends about it, really, more so than my family. Really? Yeah. Um, Interesting. And it was like, oh my God, girl, like you're living with him. Like you're sleeping in the same bed. Like he's getting you every single night. You guys are going to be like cooking. Like you're going to be, you know, cooking and cleaning and kind of like being like the typical like woman of the house kind of. And like he's getting his cake and and like. What? (laughs) Like basically I think of like, why would he marry you if he's getting all of this without having to give you the ring? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, <laughs> that, that to me, that didn't really make sense because one, I had an open communication with my partner. So we knew what like our long-term plan was. Um, but then also like this assumption that, um, uh, what's it called? Like only once you get married, are you able to like do all of that? And if you do it before, then that, that it doesn't make sense. Like make it make sense. I still to this day don't understand like the, the, the thinking behind it all. Um, so yeah, that, that was my thing. And I, I say like to each their own, I recommend it. We do have challenges just like how people think that when you get married and then you live together, that, you're still going to get through that first year or two of challenges because you're married versus like if you are only in a relationship and you're living together, like it's easier to kind of like throw away the relationship and be like, eh, it didn't work. It was too challenging. But again, to reach their own, like I knew the kind of relationship that I was in and, and as well, if it didn't work out in our first year living together, um, not married, it's the same thing to me as like, if it didn't work in the first year of marriage living together, like if the relationship shit, then shit, <laughs> whether you've got a certificate, um, cause that doesn't keep you together. You should be keeping yourselves together. I think it's really interesting. Like the binding factor of like the marriage paper and that first year, I think I, w- I would agree with, I think, you know what? I get so stuck on like the nice idea of having it. And it goes back to literally that idea of like the expectation and like, that societal standard it's like it's just packaged a little bit nicer you know what i mean but i'm not saying that's like valid right like i'm just saying it's like it brings kind of like a again to your point about it maybe not even being the most logical i just think it's packaged really nicely like in the media i grew up where i think my parents would be like what what are you doing you're gonna move in like you're gonna have her move in what does that mean before marriage i think it would be odd for them I'm not doing it as like a test 
I know a lot of people say, hey, do it so you can find out how your partner is. I'm doing it because I want to live with her and like I want her around. Right. And and, you know, same thing, like if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. I know divorce is hard but, and I'm not going into this direction. But what I'm saying is if it's not going to work out, you it's easy to know earlier on. Yes, there's going to be some nuances like, hey, this person leaves their stuff out all on the floor and I have to clean up after it. But I mean, that's just something you communicate to your partner or you're going to have to deal with. Regardless, it's not going to change my perception of that person or change your relationship. Sometimes it might be extreme and, you know, that's, you know, it's going to happen. But I'm doing it because I'm not saying it's mandatory. Um, I can go either way, but I'm going to do it because I want her to just, you know, live with me as soon as possible. That's I, I don't care about the marriage portion of it. Yeah, for us, it was just like a financial decision, like instead of him having to like pay rent somewhere else and like possibly have roommates and like me having to go visit and like just not having our own kind of space or him not feeling like 100 percent like comfortable 100% himself like in my parents home because my parents are like very traditional um to an extent my a lot of my friends would disagree <laughs> um but yeah so it just made sense for us to just like come together and and live together like I I'll be your roommate instead of random people um uh, but like it's it's interesting because although my parents were like cool with us doing that and we're engaged now they were they still because of like COVID and stuff like that we've had to push things back and just whatever um life and my dad said the other day he's like you know I only let you leave out of love if you guys don't hurry up if you guys don't hurry up and get married I'll bring you back I'll take you back by force oh my god <laughs> it will happen <laughs> <laughs> summon you <laughs> summon me yeah if i put you into this world i'm only living with my fiance because my dad said i could so yeah that's that's the take home there <laughs> thank yeah thank you thank you, thank you dad. Like, a, like a traditional um security there for like parents with having that piece of paper i do again i think it's like a super like traditional notion but again i also i like i really like that idea of the challenge or like testing I, i'm not saying i like the idea what i'm saying is i do think a lot of people go into it with that like idea of like testing and like oh i'll see like them at their worst right i'll see them at their best i'll see them at their worst which like sometimes it's true like you can only see that when like you see their idiosyncrasies when you're like living with them on like a day-to-day -day basis it's like when you just see them for a couple hours that's different than seeing them like at their best at their worst right like for sure but i would say like at the same time maybe i've had the advantage of having my own place and I've already seen some of that when she'll stay over for like a week or even on a trip when I'll be like for two weeks. I know it's different. Right. But at the same time, you can kind of see. And then, like I said, I'll adapt or even communicate, hey, this is not the proper way to do something or, you know, this doesn't work with me. Let's communicate about this and find a solution. These are all small little challenges. I I. You know, I, I don't have any experience with this, but I, I find it very hard to see ahead of time where I've dated for so long and then I live with them. And then that is like the deal breaker or whatever they did. But I could be wrong. That And like, that's what I was just about to add. Like, where does like the strength in your relationship lie? 
is it between the two of you or is it between a piece of paper? The first year of living with anyone, <laughs> um, but your partner, whether you're, you're in a relationship, um, you're dating, engaged, or you're married, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging because it's going to be different than before. Even if you have seen them for, um, lived with them for a week or two weeks at a time, but now every single day, day in, day out, all the different changes that go on in your own life, that's, it's challenging, but are you going to put in the work to adapt, um, and compromise? Are you going to communicate, is your communication going to deteriorate or is it going to strengthen? It's not going to be easy, but are you going to be able to overcome it, whether you're married or not? And if you're holding onto a sheet of paper, expecting like that's the thing that keeps you there no honey like no <laughs> i don't think you are ready to start yeah i don't think you were ready in the first place <laughs> on today's episode of bay podcast we're joined by rebecca and david Depa. so they are a recently married millennial couple and they're here to talk to us today about like what happens post-wedding and things to consider when you're living with the in-laws so we're super happy to have you here folks Thanks for having us. Can you maybe like give us an intro to who you are and like where you two as a couple have kind of come from? What's your history like? Cool. Well, I guess uh, my name is David. I've always lived in Ottawa, Ontario since moving here from Japan in 2001. Um, And essentially, I met Rebecca when I was in the year of 2013. Uh, She was schooling at Ottawa U. And then she visited my church with a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours. And then from there, we just kind of started talking, um, began dating May of that year. And then here we are today. Essentially, there's been a lot of ups and downs. It was in the midst of both of us schooling that we kind of started working out together in terms of dating and then engaged and then got married in 2019 of August. So like David said, uh, I was in Ottawa for a while, probably for three years before I met David. Um, So I met him in my fourth year of my undergrad. Um, So I was about to be graduating. Uh, So I remember meeting David, um, like he said, at church. Um, And at that point in my life, I wasn't ready for a relationship. However, once I started to get to know him, you know, we clicked. And then eventually we started dating. Uh, We dated for about... It was six years before we got married. Almost six years. Almost six years before we got married. Um, and then, yeah, we celebrated our seventh dating anniversary just in May, early May this year. So, yeah, and then we're celebrating our wedding anniversary this coming August 10th. So it's something great that I'm looking forward to. And yeah, came by. Quick. Yeah, congrats <laughs> on getting married before COVID hit. Like, honestly, that in itself. Thank you. Like, well done. <laughs> you folks are just like out here laughing at the at the rest of us right? who are struggling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you lose kind it's of thing. an opportunity to save money to be honest so <laughs> maybe maybe and so you folks are like recently married like not haven't celebrated your one year anniversary just yet so it's really cool to have like a millennial couple um uh, uh marriage kind of here um on the podcast and so since getting married um, less than a year ago, what are some of like the ups and downs or what summer, what are some of the major challenges that you've experienced? One of the major things is, you know, we're all raised differently in terms of, uh, uh, my, 
one big thing that was a huge adjustment for me, Rebecca, from my part, was um, <clears throat> our financial discipline. Um, essentially, you know, I believe in, um, you know, to grow wealth, you have to come together and, uh, you know, <clears throat> be in sync with your partner uh, in terms of your finances. So, for example, you know, while we're dating and et cetera, we can have our own accounts and whatnot. Even while we're married, we can continue to have our own accounts. However, I think the bulk of savings or whatever goals needs to be tackled together. Obvious for the, for the obvious reasons, such as you know building interest and etc. I just think you get somewhere a lot faster with uh, with somebody else, and so um, that's where I kind of felt. Me and Rebecca kind of bumped heads on like joint accounts, not joint accounts. Um, and to be honest, that was a continual, uh, area of a disagreement from like our second or third year of dating all the way until like right before we, we, we got engaged, you know, we're like, Hey, this is how we're going to go about things. Um, and I think it's still like a learning process, but that was probably one area that, uh, we kind of struggled to come to an agreement. Uh, I would say, yeah, that was a big part for me too. Um, just because like every, like he said, everybody's raised differently. So he was raised with, you know, both of his parents married and they're still married today. Right. And my parents were divorced. So in my head, I'm just like, Hey, for us to have a joint account, like things can go wrong. Right. There are many, many, many trust issues. Um, and I had every reason to feel that way. And I tried to get that across to him. But at the same time, what I wasn't realizing is not every marriage is going to be the same, right? So um, just because me and David are getting married doesn't mean everything needs to be divided because I feel like something's going to happen down the line, right? That's just walking into a marriage with fear. So I had to conquer that myself for many years. And like, I also think that like even generally trust issues like you know like rebecca didn't know me you know before uh i i i met her obviously i was at least like 23 24 when i met her and she was just maybe 20 or something like that and so um obviously our past histories our relationships like my my exes and stuff like that like she's from toronto i'm from ottawa um there was a lot to catch up on. And so obviously the typical trust issues, like there's already trust issues with people that you date in the city that you're from. Imagine coming to a different city where you don't know the history of your girlfriend or history of your boyfriend. So that was a little, that's another thing to kind of uh, overcome. But I think that's general and typical for most relationships. Yeah. That's actually really interesting that you say that. Cause I think we forget that when you are dating someone, you, you are catching up on their entire lives. Like you don't know them. <laughs> so, so there's that catch up. Right. But then when you talk about like, um, the financial decisions and like the challenges there and determining what kind of relationship and like financial relationship you want to have, um, that's so, so like key. And that's something that a lot of folks, um, end up getting divorced due to or separated due to, because those conversations aren't had early on. And like, from, from what you folks have told us as well, like 
um, post wedding and deciding on kind of like what you want for your future and like having a home and starting a family, um, and how you wanted to tackle that, um, kind of like next step in your financial journey was one of the reasons why you decided to move in with in-laws while you're, while you're building a home for yourselves. And that in itself is like so taboo. And like, I expect that like that was probably quite the challenge as well. So we, we secured our, <clears throat> the, the condo that we were renting in Gatineau, uh, probably we, we started renting there from like maybe two months before our wedding. And then essentially <clears throat> it was a one year, uh, lease. And so it was coming up in May and you have to give these guys a four month notice before you're moving out. There was a lot of reasons why we didn't want to stay in Quebec. One reason was that me and Rebecca both work in Ontario. We live in Quebec. We're taxed twice. So like not only are the regular taxes coming out, um, you know, like they're taking away additional taxes and there's something where they take, they take on an additional tax on top if you're married. <laughs> um, and so they're just taking a lot of money from us essentially. And so I was kind of thinking like, okay, we don't even want to be here for too long because every year that we're supposed to receive money back, we're actually owing money and it didn't really make sense. So I brought up the idea that, okay, you know, what if we give them our four month notice and then see if we can go back and downgrade. At first we were talking about like going to maybe like a lesser expensive apartment or whatever downgrade and then save up. And then I, that still didn't make sense to me. And then I kind of brought up the idea of going back home to see if, um, you know, we can save a little bit of money while we embark on this decision. Because we had decided to reserve the lot for a home in February. Um, and so it, that essentially was kind of the driving decision for why I wanted to go back home. Uh, David brought up going back home. It was like early on, like even last year, he brought it up. Um, and I remember when he first brought it up, I was just like, hey, no, that's not happening. Like, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll we'll go back to Ottawa, find a, an apartment. And nothing made like going back home to his parents did not make sense to me at all for the reason just because like throughout the time when I was growing up, like I was taught that, you know, as a woman, you gain independence, you go to school, you graduate. Um and then you work for yourself before a man comes in the picture. Um, so, so in my head, I had this chronological order of how things are supposed to be. And for David coming to me and saying, oh, you know, we should move back home. In my head, I was just like, okay, hey, that's a major downgrade. Um, something that didn't line up with what, you know, I wanted, how I wanted things to go. And to me, I thought it was a taboo to my parents too. In my head, I'm just like... They're never going to look at David the same way. They're probably going to be like, oh, like he wasn't even ready for marriage. Why did he ask her to get married if he if he now wants to move back home? So that was something in the back of my head. And I was just like, no, it can never work out. Um, as time went on, I realized that like in terms of finances, in terms of us getting a home, I was like, realistically, like we'd be saving a lot of money going back home. And the way things started off this year was a struggle. So even me, I wasn't working as much, plus with all the strikes. So I'm a teacher. I work with the school board. There were many strikes going on. 
So teachers weren't working or getting paid the way they, you know, were normally getting paid. So in my head, I'm just like, you know what? Like, it's not a bad idea to go back home because we'd be saving a lot of money, especially, <laughs> especially, especially for real nice, upcoming. Yeah, they, they yeah. eventually come especially. around. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it it took like it took like a struggle for me to realize that hey, like it's not a bad idea, and that's how I slowly warmed up to it. Even warming up to the idea when it came closer to moving to his parents' home, I started turning back and be like, you know what? Let's just try and figure it out. Like I just kept going back in my thoughts. It was like a never-ending cycle in my head. I understand, you know, like we're people of color. We're mostly children of immigrant, you know, parents and et cetera. And like they, there's a certain way that we have to get things done. But w- what I think about is like I look five, ten years ahead. I, I kind of don't look at the now. People can look at me however they want you know, if I'm trying to build an asset or if we're trying to build assets, increase our net worth in order to help other family members and stuff, I will sacrifice my, you know, my early years or my first years of marriage in order to set ourselves up for the rest of our rest of our lives. Then rather, you know, project an image that I want others to see of us, because then what is that? What's the, what, what purpose does that serve? You know, like it doesn't get me anywhere. I can flex just to show that we're doing okay. But behind the closed doors, we're like, oh man, like having a hard time, you know, making ends meet. So yeah, like these decisions are for me. Nobody's going to pay my mortgage. Nobody's going to put my down payment down. It's it's us who's going to do this. And in order to do that, if I need to cut back or if we need to cut back, I'm going to make that decision to do so. And I'm just going to hope that, you know, my partner is also on board with me. As people of color, I, I don't know how it is with uh, you folks, but... Um, my parents are okay with being, you know, like us living with them. And I think that's a lot, uh, usually not only are they trying to be helpful, but if they had their way, I feel like they would, forever. Want, they would <laughs> yeah. want you forever. Um, was that the same? Like, how did your parents feel? How like, open were they and receptive excited? Were they? Yeah. <laughs> my mom was like, calm. Like, it was more like, what are you, what are you waiting for? Um, obviously like. I'm not sure if she, she or even my dad, like, foreseen us coming back. But as soon as I said, listen, we reserved a lot for a home. Um, our down payment's due in September, and we're just trying to stack. My mom's like, what do you even, like, come? The house is <laughs> completely empty. Um, you know, there's four or five bedrooms or whatever. Like, just come back home, do whatever you got to do. Obviously, I thought of it as also another opportunity to, like, even support um, my parents as well, right? Whether it's getting things done around the house, like they're not like senior, senior, but they're retiring or on the verge of retiring. And so like, I felt like it was also a good thing to be moving back just in that moment uh, to kind of support. And it was kind of going both ways, but my mom was very inviting in, in terms of uh, us or me making a decision to say, hey, we were thinking of coming home. What do you think? I think I really like that you made that point too, because I think that when people think that you move back home, they assume that like it's like a one way street mm-hmm. that like you're just like taking from like your parents. But I like the fact that you brought up like there's a way that you can like contribute to the household. And it doesn't have to be like I know some people have to like pay rent and stuff like that, but there's like so many things you could be doing around the house to kind yeah. of like still have you know, like you're you're still serving a purpose there. But yeah, I think there's just people don't consider that like how coming back together as, as a family, like even later on when you're a bit older, like how you can contribute to like the household. His, like my in-laws, like his parents are 
very nice people, very chill, down to earth. Um, so for me, like coming here, I wasn't even afraid of that. It was more so like, oh, I'm not going to have my own space. Like I'm not going to be able to move around like I used to. Like in my head, I'm just like, okay, living with somebody else, you're sharing the space, right? So um, say if I want to cook, you know, I have to try and squeeze it in maybe after his mom is done cooking, then I'll come and cook and whatnot. So that was more of my worries um, as opposed to me feeling a certain way towards them. They're, they're amazing people. So that was the least of my worries for me. It's like you didn't want to like intrude almost like in, and there's always that like awkwardness getting into like a rhythm with the, the family and like what works for everyone. Um, and I just wanted to ask both of you, because like when you're talking about your culture and like where you come from, your family um, and the expectations that sometimes comes with that kind of linear way of living life. Do you think that your parents were more receptive to you coming home because they knew that you had a plan? Like it was it was a smart, sound decision versus like mom, dad, I don't know what's happening in life, but I'm coming home. <laughs> like I just you know what I mean? Like there was a difference in like how you approached it. Do you think that that was one of the reasons why they were so welcoming? Do you think that you would you would have had challenges if it was like you just got married and you're like, don't know what's happening, but can we come home? Uh, for sure. Like, even though my parents are nice people, like they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll come, you know? Uh, but and then if we're there like three, four, five, six months, and then like, we haven't spoken to them about, okay, why did we come back? Or, uh, what's, what's the game plan in the next four five, six months, they're going to start, you know, kind of looking at us a little funny or, or trying to help us get support that we need but there was definitely a sound decision or reason for why um we decided to come back and then i expressed it to them clearly and then they're like yo as long as you know what you're doing like come through we trust you yeah you're married like that's the thing right like you've like flown the, flown the nest they like trusted you enough to you know come together and start your own family so there's a trust there they respect you as adults in your own right as well and so moving on, just like wondering, because we've talked about it a little bit, but like when it comes to social expectations, so what other people view you as or what they expect you to be or have accomplished by a certain time, um, whether it's family or just, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses, as we like to call it. Um, can we talk about kind of like why you think that that is a thing? Why there are these pressures? Um uh, and and whichever kind of audience you want to like talk about. Um, but where does that come from? And do you still, do you feel that now having made this decision? I would say like anytime, like even when I was growing up as a kid, like my parents would stress the fact that they worked so hard just to come to Canada. And even when they came to Canada, it was a struggle, um, you know, but they finally worked it through. They And they would tell us all sorts of things that they did to be the people that they are to us, right? So we they already come with expectations when they're having conversations with us. So I think growing up, because the expectations are so enforced on how our parents lived, they expect the same for us and even better. So they expect a certain order and they basically look back at history on how their parents did it as well. So it's kind of like, okay, from generation to generation, this is how it's supposed to go. And this is how we expect you to live out your lives as well. So I think it's just a 
a generation thing that goes forward and forward each time. And then it just takes one generation to, you know, stop the, stop the, the routine and build your own type thing. Obviously our social circle has a big impact on, um, where we think we need to be at a certain age. Like it's kind of unspoken, you know, but it's something that like everybody has it, you know, like it's an unspoken thing, but it's something that, um, just to kind of get off, off track yesterday, I was having an argument with somebody about like, you know, people say that like, they don't care about how many people they follow on Instagram and how many followers they have and whatnot. But it's an unspoken thing that those proportions, it just kind of looks, it just kind of looks good or, or, or that, uh, you know, it looks, it makes you look more important when you have three, four times more followers than you have, uh, people that you're following. It's, they'll say, oh, it's shallow, but like, it's an unspoken thing, but you still abide by it. You know, it's like a, it's like a code. Um, and so you look at people who got married before you or somebody else who had like an extravagant wedding and then they have like these two, three cars and then they have a big home and you're thinking, holy, holy, you know, like, how do they, how do they do that? Or it's kind of like keeping up with the, with the Joneses, you know, there's societal pressures that exist that you gotta like somewhat keep up with. And then, so as soon as you go against that, it's kind of like people might look at you like, oh, like these guys are going against the grain. Oh, these guys weren't ready to spend so and so amount on their wedding. Now look at them. They're regressing. They're going back home. They're doing this. Those are kind of the pressures that exist for people to to kind of maintain an image that like, no, we're actually doing really good. Um, but it's a facade. It's not true. I think that's so true about social media, too, just with like Instagram specifically. I think there's like like you said, like kind of like a culture code. And then people have like this weird insight into your life that they think they know you, you know what I mean? Like the inner workings of your life, just from like looking at your social media, it's actually really creepy and invasive. <laughs> like when you think about it, that people can like pass these judgments without like maybe seeing the whole picture. Yeah. And that's the, you know, look at the hashtag relationship goals, right? As soon as you click on it, there's so many things that, yeah, you guys are right. It's Keep up with the Joneses. You see the cars, you see the rings, you see the the wrapped up uh, presents the, in Louis Vuitton bags that people are trying to follow. And some of these people, <laughs> I swear it's the same box that, that these... keeps getting used. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see the dent on how old yeah. that box is, right? But a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people come from either privileged backgrounds or they get money because they are influencers or they don't see that whole story. So you're competing almost with, not really with yourself, but something that's fake, like you were saying, uh, David, where it is fake. And the, and it's been there since, like, not even before. Um, I mean, our parents had to go through the same thing, too, as well. When they see their parent, uh, friends getting married and doing a certain way, except now it's, like, a bit different because now it's uh, all in your face, right? Even as we speak about this, I'm not going to say that, like, I don't deal with, you know... Uh, comparison issues sometimes it's kind of happens naturally sometimes but i have to stop myself and be like wait you know like this actually doesn't matter you know what i mean like um <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are who are below the radar that people don't know about but they're eating they have <laughs> lots of money in the bank they're doing well but they're not pulling up in a lexus and every party and having phenomenal photo shoots to present on instagram so 
I, I just think that the culture that we're living in right now really amplifies that you have to keep up, but it's it's all a facade. With that, you're saying that even you ch- like have the the issues of trying to like not compare yourself, stopping yourself from comparing um, to other people. And like, I resonate with that a hundred percent. So as a couple, like how do you, what conversations do you folks need to have with yourselves, like between you to like, solidify making the decision to move in with your in-laws to like feel confident in that decision making and like feel as if whatever happens, whatever we see online, like we won't be shaken by it because we know what our plan is. Like how do you get to that place where you can say, yeah, we're doing it and we will not be like swayed in any way. We're good. Yeah. Cause like you guys said, I'm, I'm still going through it myself. So like, I remember when we first moved here, I think it was like the second or third week. And I just, I just went off at David. I'm just like, you made the worst decision ever. (laughs) And then he's just like, what are you talking about? We both made this decision together. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, I'm not happy, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's hard. But I mean, it took that conversation that we had with one another for me to realize that, you know what, like, we can make the best out of this situation that we're in right now. And it's only temporary. I mean, we're supposed to be moving out by next year in April. So in the meantime, it takes those conversations each time we're feeling a certain way just to get back on track and understand why we're here in the first place. It's definitely the, the biggest thing is continuously reminding ourselves like this is for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? That like you might temporary. think that it's a re- re- exactly it's very temporary. Like you might think that it's a permanent regression, but it really isn't. And like in terms of even our, our the conversation, speaking about when Rebecca said, "Oh, like I made the worst decision and whatnot." To be honest, like I battled that with myself as well. But we had kind of planned out, or we had kind of spoke about. Listen, like within two three years of marriage or whatever, <clears throat> I'm trying to. I'm trying to own a property or, you know, we need to like build some type of <clears throat> asset that we could actually sit on and begin to build from there. Um, we came to an agreement that it was going to be two, three years. However, I, I do feel like um, when I saw like my older brother, my other siblings, you know, encouraging me to be like, listen, it's not supposed to be an easy process to make a decision to get a home. Um but it's rewarding at the end of the hard work. Um, I feel like those encouragements pushed me to make that decision a lot faster than we planned to because we got married in August. And maybe if everything went well, we would have probably put a down payment down two years after the wedding. But within like seven, eight months, um, we made the decision to like reserve a lot only because I see that prices are going up. I see that millennials are having a hard time, you know, I'm uh, qualifying for mortgages, qualifying for, and it was kind of like, okay, like let's jump in it and figure it out later (laughs) type of thing. You know, like I went to visit one of the homes. I went to visit one of the homes with my brother as he was securing his home. And I was like, I'm reserving reserving a lot. Um, I called my, I called my wife and I was like, listen, like I'm taking out this many thousand i'm sending it to the house builder we're reserving a lot and people kind of like oh sure okay okay and then now like we're really in it so it was one of those things it was like man i feel like if we take our time 
we might not even be able to afford a home because homes aren't even worth the prices that they actually are. Yeah, that's kind of interesting how you say that because I've been in these kind of situations too where I used to be that person who, and this is sort of where a lot of this comes from and what we're talking about, but we try and plan every single portion of phase one, phase two, get married, do this, do that. But you don't really, success comes out of making the right decision when things go bad, right? And you can't really get to that successful point if you don't fail at those points where you're supposed to fail to learn a lesson and do the right thing, right? So, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys feel that it's like trusting in yourselves and trusting in the process when something goes, you know, like um, it might take having the patience because like you said, during the first two, three weeks, you don't really know what's going to happen, but actually, hey, let's like, you know, live it out and see where it goes. And eventually everything will kind of connect. Like whatever life was kind of presenting to us as we were living, we had to kind of make an adjustment as we went. You know what I mean? Um, we probably didn't think that like we'd be owing that much our first year. You know what I mean? We probably didn't think that, uh, uh, you know, we, we would be hanging around people or be encouraged to, go out to get something that maybe we didn't think of getting for another two, three years, but those things happened. And then we just, you know, with a little bit of faith, we're just kind of like, Hey, you know what? We're going to dive into this. We will make it happen. The struggle is going to be figuring it out, but we will make it happen. And so I think one of the decisions that's going to help us get there was to come back home. These kinds of stressful time periods or times where you think like, okay, everyone else is moving really fast and we compare or we're unsure or we second guess, whatever it is, there's short term. And I think that's what like we we sometimes get scared or we forget um, is happening. Like, yes, it's been a couple months, but it's been a couple months and we're setting up for the future. We're setting up for years. <laughs> and I, I, I think... I think you show your the strength of your relationship when you can take these um, take these hits or kind of like punches, I guess, if you won't even call them that. Um, and although they're short term, but you get through them, you work through them, you take those challenges and you come back stronger, better than before. Like you're not playing around during these times you're setting up for the future. I was actually wondering about you, Rebecca, like I from my own experience, I'd be like sometimes it'd be so hard to like kind of be on quote unquote all the time because you're like with your in-laws like sometimes you just come home you have like a bad day you know like and you don't want to maybe like kind of you know what i mean like yeah. it's just it's a different just vibe so it's like alone. what are like those <laughs> 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 but like there's definitely like those pros and cons right just like on a day-to-day like living um basis so i was just kind of curious about that yeah okay guys. Um, well, for the first David has sat back. He's like, I want to hear this. I know. Right. <laughs> well, he knows. Nothing that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows. Yo, um, bring them all in. To you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the first month, I would say I spent most of my time in, in our bedroom. So I would only come down probably to eat. Um, and I would come down at least once a day just to say hi to his parents and ask them how they're doing. 
um, whether it was in the morning, in the evening or afternoon. And like, I'm home all the time. I'm not working. Right. So like for me to be in my room for the majority of the day is not healthy. And like David started seeing that too. He's just like, what are you doing? Like, feel free. And like, even I feel like <laughs> even his mom like started noticing too. So whenever she'd see me, she'd be like, Oh, this is your home. Please feel comfortable. You could come down, cook whenever, like this is your home. So like, it took a lot of like reassuring, even my sister, there was one point, like David called my sister Odelia and he's just like, yo, like she doesn't want to be here. We're coming to Toronto and spending some time in Toronto because it seems like she doesn't want to be here. So even when I got to Toronto and I, I spoke to my sisters about her, they're just like, like you have, you shouldn't be making like his parents feel so worried about you because his parents are amazing. You should fear, feel comfortable where you are. Um, so they just kept telling me like, stop acting the way you're acting, like get out of the room, like do your thing. <laughs> and then eventually that's when I started breaking out of my shell and getting comfortable. I came downstairs more often. Um, and yeah, but it was, it took a while for me to break out of that shell. It took a while. Yeah. yeah. And for you guys, like as a couple, like having date nights or like having that space, like how's that been? An, an example I'll give is like, um, my, my, my older brother, he's three years older than me. His wife's the same age as me. And with them, they really didn't care. They kind of just like lived in the most lowest budget apartments for like, first three, four years of their life. And they just bought a single home. Um, but whenever they would come back to my parents' house, I essentially saw like, you know, the first person who got married in my household, how they interacted as a couple whenever they visited my parents. And it was the exact same way. Um, I, I don't want to sound biased because they're my parents or whatever, but even if you ask anybody, like you can ask uh, anybody, you know, that like, these people do not care about like what you what you do essentially like when i was trying to tell rebecca if there was anybody that we were going to move back to and that they're going to be cool and not like be in our, in your own space it's going to be my parents like they 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 just kind of like they just kind of lax they don't really like they're not really in our space so um we still obviously step out to go out for drinks go out to get food and stuff like that um our rooms are pretty far from each other so i don't think intimacy has been an issue at all you know what i mean but like rebecca might be saying that like her comfortability with me like I don't know, putting my arm around her in the living room or my mom's cooking in the kitchen. Maybe she feels feel she might awkward. have felt like yeah, uncomfortable yeah. or awkward yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like I saw the way that like my my brother and his wife interacted in front of them. And like it was nothing. And the only reason why it was nothing is because with my parents, if it's before marriage, it's an issue. But now your husband and wife. There's nothing that they can kill and say that like you're not allowed to be doing only because what? Because they're you're you're their child. It's something that we've kind of worked over and got over that naturally as we began to, you know, be a married couple. It's one of those things that like these guys are old enough to be doing whatever they want. But so. let me let me add to that. So like 
I still don't feel comfortable. So say if I'm in the kitchen and David wants to give me a kiss and his mom is there, I'll turn my head because for me, it's like, <laughs> I I wouldn't do it in front of my own parents. So it's like, why would yeah. I do it in front of your parents? And like, I don't know, David keeps telling me like, you know, just they're, they don't care. And I'm like, I don't know, but I do. It feels awkward. It's just The most weird. they would do is like, the most they would do is like Jeez. laugh. I'd be like, "Oh, like you guys are." Yo, that's what I would so be afraid of. <laughs> yeah, you, that's that's where the trauma is coming from. <laughs> yeah, immigrant parents don't like show affection to one another in front of other people, and so like as they, their children get married, the children get married, they continue to like um uh, push on this thing where it's like, yeah, we're married, but like in front of other people, like. You know, you're not going to be like, hey, babe, beside like, you know, a family friend who's the same age and kiss him on cheek. We're the generation that breaks that. It's like, bro, that's your wife. That's your husband. Like, who are you putting on a show for? This comes back to the whole uh, uh, societal pressures and the generational things that we just spoke about, about what's normal and what's not normal. And that's not normal to not act like your wife is your wife in front of your parents. It's your wife. You get what I mean? Or it's your husband. And so as hard as it might be, I think it's something that like people just need to get comfortable with. I'm not saying, oh, like full out making love. (laughs) No, (laughs) nobody, nobody's saying that. But if you give like a little peck or you hug them from the back and stuff like that, it's not an issue for it shouldn't be an issue. It's going to take time, though. It's just going to take time, right? Yeah, because it's like a, a 180, right? It's like, so before marriage, for some for some households, like before marriage, it's like, oh, yes, this is my friend. And like, you don't really, you know, and then all of a sudden you're married and they're like, where are your children? And it's like, do you know what that means, mom and dad? Like, do you? <laughs> so it's like really full on the, the switch. So it takes some time to like get comfortable. And then even though you like swear down, like my parents are chill, my parents are chill because they aren't your parents. You don't know them like that that you're like oh you're it's almost like i don't know it's uh, i have this with my partner as well it's like are you trying to play me like are you trying to like entrap me into into getting really relaxed and then only having your your parents come up to me and be like calm yourself <laughs> you're in my house <laughs> it's yet to happen but it's this like fear so this kind of brings up an interesting question on how you guys are adapting um your your lifestyle i guess like i I can see rebecca you're gonna have to try and adapt to that um but like what about your goals or like um your financial goals or your life goals have you had to adapt it in a certain way because you're living uh with the in-laws slash parents or what does that look like it's given us the liberty and the freedom to like go harder at the goals that we have an example i'll give is we were living in a condo we were middle floor somebody's above us somebody's below us rebecca's a drummer okay so she's trying to be teach drums she's trying to um eventually open her own school etc but like in terms of practicing she had to schedule her practices around when our basement neighbors would leave you know so that the drums isn't loud enough for her to be playing and etc right so that we don't get any complaints Now we're back home. She's making videos constantly. She can practice whenever she wants. You know, she's putting out videos. She she didn't create an Instagram um, and putting out content on YouTube and stuff like that. She didn't create any of that while we were back home. When we came here, it was like, okay, there's the space. 
there's the time, obviously, like COVID, as much as it's been tough for a lot of businesses and work, it's also opened other avenues for us to put more content out. Same with me, like in the span of like four months, I've been able to complete like two full EPs. I'm still working full time, but there's just a bit more liberty. And because there's not that uh, stress of like saving up certain amount each pay to pay off our rent, home insurance, internet, etc. There's a lot more free cash flowing and which allows us to be like, okay, you know what? Today we can go and do this. Today we don't have to do this. Um, He's right. Like I now have a space where I don't have to worry about if it's going to make noise to to the person downstairs or upstairs. Um, I can drum whenever I want. I can focus on music. I can play things out loud. Um, so yeah, like it is contributing to my goals as well. Cause those are some goals that I set at the beginning of the year and living in an apartment, it would have been difficult for me to do. So now I'm able to do that. Um, another thing he touched on in terms of finances, like I'm now seeing like we're saving a lot more money than we were before. Um, so even when I see like, you know, for right now, like I'm on serve, but even getting serve, I'm just like, we don't have to pay for any bills with the serve money, so we can save majority of it and use it for and use the rest for, um, I don't know whatever it is that we want to do on some weekends here or there. So I've seen a lot of um, changes that are contributing to our goals as a couple. Were there any goals or um, yeah, any goals or the way that you live? Did you have to change any of it because you're living at home with your parents versus living on your own? You could probably do a bit better. It might not be necessarily goals, but like lifestyles, I guess. Um, being able to have your uh, your boys over to have like, you know, Coronas and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, games yeah. night. Yeah. Like, yeah. you, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I, I know. The show is sponsored by Corona. By yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like having people over as freely as you want. Obviously, like we're still able to do that. But like you think you, you think twice, you always, you know, say, hey, mom, dad, like we plan on having this many people over. Da, 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 let us know. Now there is now there is like. Regardless of how free and, uh, you know, cool or lax the parents may be, there's a different authority um, that you're that you're abiding under. Um, And so obviously you have to make sure that you're respecting them first before you can do whatever it is that you want to do. I think that's been the biggest adjustment um, for me, um, just in terms of like the liberty of. having people over, et cetera. We've already had people over on a few occasions already. Um, but back then it would kind of be like, they can stop by whenever they want, you know, um, as opposed to now we have to kind of coordinate, uh, plan it out through them and whatnot. Um, yeah. When I was living in the apartment, like, you know, I wore whatever I wanted to, right. Whereas now, like I'll be in the room wearing short shorts. And before I come downstairs, David will see it all the time. I'll go get pants, wear the pants, and then I'll get like a, a sweater or a long sleeve top and I'll wear it just because like, I I don't, obviously I don't want them to see me, you know, dressed the way I am in the bedroom. Right. So, um, that's, that's definitely a huge adjustment. Another adjustment, I, another adjustment I would say is, um, for me would be cooking because I used to cook every single day. So, um, it would be like for lunch or dinner. That's just something that 
I was working on myself in terms of being a better cook. Um, but now it's like, it's like once a week or twice a week, right? So for me, I feel like I've stepped back in terms of that. Um, just because, you know, his mom is in the house. A mother always cooks, right? So no matter what, the mom is always going to cook. So for me, I just, in my head, I'm just like, oh yeah, like I kind of stepped back in that area. However, I'm still trying to push myself to get back into the kitchen, um, which is something that she encourages all the time. So I'll try and push it from once a week to like maybe two or three times a week and go from there. Yeah, I would say you're pretty lucky to have that relationship with your parents where um, you have like a, an environment that would kind of foster that kind of like relationship and uh, be able to bring someone and live there. Is there certain relationships that you have to have with a parent before this is even considered? I'm the <clears throat> middle child. We're all three boys, all the same age, um, literally two and a half years apart from one another. Um, so like I- I've gotten in every type of trouble. I'm probably like a troubled child who they probably didn't expect to graduate school, uh, you know, get married, whether like, you know, have a secure job, et cetera. Um, if there was anybody, it was going to be me. So like they've seen me go through it. You get what I mean? So like for, for me to have the head that I have right now, it's obviously thanks to them, but at the same time, like, yeah, for sure. I've definitely built a solid relationship with my parents where it's kind of like they know I'm not, I'm not dense. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a dumb kid. Like, uh, th- I'm pretty sure in the latter, latter years of my final days of like living in the home before I got married, they saw that I got into like, you know, uh, stocks or, uh, bonds, dividends, just investment and stuff like that, trading and et cetera. So, they know that I know what I'm doing. So I know the decision for me to even say, Hey, like I'm thinking about doing this in order to cut costs. They didn't even second guess it. Uh, so definitely uh, a solid relationship with both, uh, parents helped in this aspect, but at the same time, it's their, it's their child too. You know what I mean? So it's like as, as much as it might be like, Oh, taboo or like, you know, looking at what other families might've done with their children coming back home. They're not going to neglect. I would hope that parents will first think to like say, okay, you know what? This is our child. Like, But um, David, do you think this would have worked out if we weren't married? Like say if we were just boyfriend and girlfriend and we... Hell no. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so yeah, well, that's an obvious yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So for me, like this could only have happened now. Like if it was before marriage... No, like that's, that's not the case. Even on, even on my end, like my parents would be like, Hey, what are you doing? That's not happening. So with that, like you need to know your parents and ensure that like, if you are the partner who is bringing your significant other into your household, making sure that like you and your parents are on the same page with things before you bring someone else into a sticky techie situation because there are probably tons of people listening right now who are in similar situations or wondering kind of thinking like what is my next step and like yeah I could live in the bachelor pad um with the beautiful balcony with my new fiance or whatever um and never reach that goal or I you know there is this they're looking at their options right and for some people um moving in with in-laws 
doesn't even resonate, like doesn't even come up, cross their minds um, because of the taboos, because of all the things that we talked about. So could you folks like share some just like take home messages? Like what if someone's in that same position? What are some things that they should be thinking about um, if they're wondering if they should be doing something like this? And if they are, what should they be um, careful of? So with me, I would say like if you're in a situation like what me and David were in and you're contemplating whether or not to move home or not. And uh, you know that you have a goal at the end and you know it's a good goal for the both of you. I'd say go with a decision that will make the both of you happy. Um, Because at the end of the day, like everybody else that you're like trying to please is is not going to be there for you at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, it's your relationship, your marriage, whatever makes you guys happy, go for it. Um, even now that I'm living here, uh, with his parents, I, I called my, my dad to let him know that, you know, I, I moved home like with David's parents and in my head, I thought he was going to get mad at me, but it turns out like, he was just like, Oh, like, that's a good idea. You guys are saving towards your house. And I was, I was so confused. I was so confused. Cause like my whole life, they taught me not to do that. And now that I'm in this situation, they're now saying, you know what, that's a good idea that you guys are are working towards your house. So um, at the end of the day, I would say do what's best for the both of you and, and plan from there. Don't uh, make decisions off of what people think in the, in the scenario right there. And then look, look five, 10 years ahead. That's my thing. People don't even understand that one to three years in investment language is short term. So like, you know, uh, make decisions that your future self is going to thank you for. I know a lot of people say that already. Another thing is that like, um, never live the life, you know, that people expect of you. Like my, my cousin always tells me, um, live below your means. You know what I mean? So, um, some people <clears throat> wealth is built on, you know, somebody making $3,000 a month and then they're, they, they have their set bills, but, and then, once they begin making $5,000 a month, they increase their spending. The person who builds wealth is the person who starts making 5000 and still maintains the same, same level of uh, bills and, and uh, you know, budgeting. Um, and so, like, just always live below what you make in order to get more. Um, and then at the end of the day, like, nobody's paying your bill but yourself. And so people can have opinions about where you should be in life or what you should be doing after you're newly married and et cetera. But at the end of the day, once the, once it gets night, nobody's putting a roof over my head. Nobody's buying food for us. It's us who has to do that. And to Rebecca's point, you might actually be very surprised that like the people whose opinions you value the most will actually be like, be, be supportive of your decision, like make it make sense. And, and you, you, you folks were able to. I think the world is changing where I think you guys mentioned before, a lot of millennials are starting to still live at home um, in later into the years because of you know, saving for money and it is becoming more normal, not only with our, like, like I said before, I think my, I know my parents would love it. If I lived at home, they always drop hints here and there too as well. Uh, but that's not happening anytime soon. Um, but even with in society with our friends and whenever I'm talking to them, 
they're in certain situations where that has to happen and they're still saving up. And like you said earlier on, David, like as long as long as you kind of update them and kind of reassure them, I mean, you don't have to do this, but like from a communication perspective, just saying, yeah, there is a plan. I mean, I'm building on top of this. There is, um, I'm saving up for blah, 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 which will lead me into blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, sometimes that communication is key to, you know, speak to your parents about this, right? Because you've changed your mindset. Like you understand the vision, but if they still think in that way that you get married, then you live together, you buy a house and then you have kids. If they're still thinking in that way, then you have to try to communicate this um, in some sort of way that like helps them kind of <laughs> understand where you're going with it. So yeah, I, like to your point, Keith, like we always talk about communication and relationships, but it also goes beyond like your intimate relationship. It goes to family and, and those other opinions that you truly value as well. Is there anything like to be careful about? Keep the marriage yours. I remember like um, I remember when we were getting a uh, marriage counseling, um, before we got married and one of the, uh, you know, elders in my community, my church asked me a question saying that like, okay, if you guys have an issue amongst yourselves, like, you know, who would you bring it up to, et cetera. And I accidentally said, okay, you know what? Like maybe bring it to family and stuff like that. And they're like, wrong. They're like, you gotta learn to like deal with things on your own first, obviously have like a, if it gets to that point have like a third party that you're able to, you know, um, access help or support with, but essentially like make sure that like, um, if you're moving back in with in-laws or parents or whatever, that you maintain the marriage between you and your partner, you know, and not, not like regress back to like a whole family again. Like you're not like, we're not one whole family, even though we are, you know, it's, it's, I told my mom and them, it's like, listen, this is not your son moving back in. This is your son who's a husband moving back in with his wife, you know, and there's a huge difference with that. So basically, like, as much as I'm going to respect, you know, you guys' rules and stuff like that, in terms of our matters, like, you, you, you'll respect me as, uh, you know, as a husband to my wife and also respect my wife as I respect her type of thing. So that, like, the respect is, you know, maintained. So this has been awesome, folks. Like so many take homes for the audience. And like, thanks so much for just like walking us through the ups and downs of making decisions like this and how you folks communicate in your relationship and respect one another and the new environment that you're in and then planning for the future. Um, I'm like me being someone who's um, engaged, like I'm taking notes in, in my own life. Like, yes, got to do this. Got to talk about this. Like, it's so important. So thanks for taking the time today. Um, where can we see you? Where can we find you on the web plug your stuff so what's up guys you guys can follow me all at uh david Depa on instagram or kojo dave um my allies my artist name is kojo dave it's my middle name just kind of flipped the first name and the middle name together uh, i've been making music for about two years now and slowly getting the hang of it getting a little traction you guys can find me all across the same platform, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook at Kojo Dave. And um, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but on Instagram, um, I go by Becca underscore twin. Um, and then I also do have a drum page as well and a drum YouTube page. And that's Bex drum. So that's B-E-X. 
and then D-R-U-M-S. And you'll find me on Instagram and on YouTube with the same name, Beckstroms as well. Thanks for stopping by, folks. This has been great. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs>